Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. How many of you know that, uh, you know, that places and cities uh, carry atmospheres? Thanks, worship team. Didn't the worship team do a good job? Pops up everywhere. He was in a car with me the other week going to Brisbane Youth Alive and he's helping serving there. Then he just pops up at church on Sunday night and you just never know. He might come visit you through the week at your house and bring you a cup of coffee or something. Just never know. Um, you got a few orders already. So, um, in 1998, I uh, was in a, I was in America working on summer camps, and uh, and we had to work hard seven days a week mostly. And then we sort of get one night off a week, and then into a couple of weeks into it, we sort of got a, a day off. And so I'd met a few uh, another a few American guys that were into hiking, and uh, and they were these kids and. And they had a combi van, kind of a combi van. It sort of—I don't know if it was roadworthy or not, but but it was it was workable. And uh, and so he said, "Hey, well, there's this music festival happening uh, in the capital city of Connecticut, and um, and so we're going to head up there. I think it's Hartford, it was. And and so we're." Um, yeah, so I had a day off. I'm like, I want to get out of here, do something. I said, sure, we'll go. I didn't know what was to expect. And, uh, and so we're going along. It was on a Saturday. And uh, we're traveling this van, all good. A bunch of seven or eight of us in the end. A couple of cars went. And uh, we arrived in this town. And we start driving into this city. And, as I, and I, was, I was basically the only Christian I was aware of in the, in the, uh, out of all these people I was with. And they were nice guys, but they weren't definitely what they weren't following him. And, and, uh, and so we drive into this city. And as we drive into this city, I can just feel this like heaviness and oppression. It's a city probably the size of Brisbane. And it just like, you know, I was driving in and the whole city, just the buildings look gray. They look dusty. They look just, and, I, and I, it was very quiet and eerie. It was on a, um, a Saturday afternoon and the city kind of shut down. And I go, this is weird, all the city shut down and people at this music festival. But it was just like, and then I'm big um, paper bags and I'm looking at them going, that's a bit strange, you're carrying paper bags. And then, and, uh, and then one of the guys in the van goes, yeah, I, do you never ever stop in this street driving this town because they're actually carrying guns in those paper bags. And, and I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, good. And so, and so then we, we just drive further into the city. And, um, and so we're, it's a big city and we drive this and there's this like this oppression was in this city and I could tangibly feel it. I could feel this spiritual darkness in that city. I don't know what it's like now. That was years ago. But that's what, and we went to this music festival. It was on this river and it was, it was all right. They had some bands, sort of country bands playing or whatever was happening, some giveaways and all that kind of stuff. But the whole time I'm there, I'm going, this city is like, it's got this weight of oppression on it of darkness. And I just want to tell you this, that sit over places, over cities, for then they can be good or bad. You can be a city that's alive. I remember when they were saying there was a move of God happening in Lakeland in Florida uh, a few years ago now, and people would start driving to the city, and they'd get about 10 k's out from the city in the power of God to start hitting people in the car and because of, of what God was doing. And so there's, there's different atmospheres. There's atmospheres can sit over people's houses and places of business. And, uh, and I remember... Uh, around the same time, a few years earlier, I was studying here in town, doing a diploma in recreation fitness with these other guys and stuff, and, and got to know these guys, and uh, they were all renting a house. They'd come from around Queensland, different places, and they're renting a house, and, um, and one day, and they, they weren't Christian guys or anything. They knew I went to church, and one day they sit down and they start chatting to me. He goes, oh, we've, oh we're, um, we're about to move out of our rental, and, uh, and I said, oh, okay. I said, I thought you'd been there. He goes, oh, yeah, there's some weird stuff going on in the rental 
And he said, and I'd been around the house, but he said they'd sit there on the couch at night and glasses would just start moving across the tables. That they're sitting on there, their drink glasses would just start moving around all the place. And, not, and, um, and I, then I started to sort of say, well, you know, I've, I said, do you know who lived in the place beforehand? And they said, we weren't sure, but then they found out, and they found out that the people living there beforehand would regularly use widgie boards in that house and do all kinds of stuff. And whatever was left over was still there and, uh, and causing some torment and making them feel uncomfortable. And I, sort of, and, I, and I just sort of shared some stuff. I said, well, that kind of stuff, you know, spiritual stuff's real. And I said, in that, that, you know, whatever they were doing is still sitting in your house. And they moved out not long after that. I, I remember going and other, and other things like that happening and other people asking, Pastor Ross has done it, others I know have done it, where they've asked, could you come and pray in our house? And uh, because there's some just weird stuff, you're hearing noises and all this kind of stuff. And so I've walked into houses and prayed. And, and when you pray, and it's like you declare that this place is God's, God's in this place and you're not welcome. And you pray and, and even anoint the place with all that's why we've got an anointing service. There's power in that. And, even, and done that and then it's just gone. It's just left. So there's, but there's certain atmospheres that will rest in, in, in cities, in houses, in businesses, good or bad. But also, do you know that you carry an atmosphere around your life? Depending on what someone's been into or who they are or whatever. You can, you know, I've met people that, um, you know, they can be, sort of have this atmosphere of anger over their life it's like and they're an angry person and it's like they get into a room and they've got a quick temper and they can you can have people with very negative atmospheres they can have people that you know are are a bit depressed or down or you know and walking around and it's like they walk into a place and you start to feel like what's wrong with them and it makes the whole room suddenly goes "Hmm." who understands what I'm talking about and it affects things because you carry an atmosphere for good or bad what about, do you know that, do you realize that music carries an atmosphere? And what you listen to will affect you. The words you listen to will affect you. It's like, oh, I don't listen to the words. Yes, you do. Of course you do. Don't lie to me. People, I've, oh, I don't, young people, I don't, listen, I don't listen to the words. I just like the beat or whatever. But man, they listen over and over again. And whether they realize it or not, those words and, the, and that, they'll wake up the next morning and those words are rolling around in their head. Whether they're, negative or positive you can listen to music and it will transform you it'll change you it'll change the atmosphere and you can you know it's amazing how when people are going through some things like depression or anger or whatever they'll sometimes if they don't know god they'll grab some music that lines up with how they're feeling and then they'll make the whole thing even worse they'll go oh let's just keep going over the cliff a little bit further and so Depending on what we allow ourselves to be fed and what we do, it affects who we are. It affects the atmosphere that's around our life. And you can have a positive atmosphere. You can meet someone that has joy, that they have. It doesn't matter what's going on. There's a joy inside of someone that like, they can walk into a room and the whole room comes alive. Suddenly the whole room's laughing. Suddenly the whole room is alive and everyone's like, oh, this is great. And they start telling stories or whatever, but they start, oh, I've had a great day and, and this has happened and that happened. And there's a joy that comes from every conversation. People can have a spirit of peace upon their life where they walk in and it can be like, a, you know, maybe it's been a bit difficult and some stuff happened and they currently walk in the room and there's this peace just fills the room. Just, everyone's just suddenly calm and stops and go, hang on a minute. Hi, how are you? Who are you? 
So you can have joy, peace. You can have a spirit of kindness upon your life, an atmosphere of kindness where you choose to be kind no matter what's going on. And kindness will actually change the atmosphere, will change what's going on in someone's life. I was... um. You know, we were at conference the other week and one of the speakers, can't remember who it was, shared a very short story but said recently they'd walked into a, it was in America, they walked into a coffee shop and they walked in just to grab a drink and sit down and this, and one of the uh, attendees sort of came up to them and go and said, um, didn't know them at all and said, are you a Christian? And, that, and, he go, and he said, yeah, I am. And he said, when you walked in the room, I felt the same thing I felt 10 years ago when I was on a youth camp when I encountered God in my life. And I haven't felt that again since for 10 years, but when you walked in the room, I felt the same thing again. Because our lives carry an atmosphere. Our lives can carry and do carry God's presence. When we know Jesus, we carry Jesus. We carry his presence to people around us. And so what kind of atmosphere do you carry? Are you aware of the atmosphere you carry? Sometimes we're totally aware of what we carry, whether good or bad or negative or positive. Sometimes we're unaware of some things that we carry in our lives. But I want to talk about from the aspect tonight of what you carry, how you can change an atmosphere, about what you carry being good and not bad. I want to come from... I want you to understand that God wants you to carry some things in your life that are going to bring change. They're going to change atmospheres. They're going to change cities. They're going to change houses. They're going to change businesses. They're going to change rooms. They're going to change school classrooms. They can change wherever you walk. God wants you to carry something that he has put on your life to change where you go. So God asks us to carry hope to people. Here's just some, some things that he asks you to carry. But if you know him, he asks you to carry hope. He asks you to carry love to people. He, God asks you to carry mercy and grace to people, whether they deserve it or not. He asks you to carry these things to people. He asks us to carry the gospel to people, the good news about Jesus, the story about Jesus. As a Christian, it's not a maybe you should. He says, I want you to tell people about me. I want you to carry this and tell people. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. God asks us to carry the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to people so that people can encounter the power and presence of God. It's literally God wants us to carry His presence. His literal presence is, is in us and on us and around us. And He says, I want you to carry that wherever you go. I want you to carry the fruit of my Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, I want you to carry those things everywhere you go, the fruit of His Spirit that lives on the inside of you. The transformation, listen to this, the transformation of people in our city will be determined by the measure of what you carry. And you can say, oh, well, God, show up through me. And I just believe that God will sit and wait until he has people that will stand up and say, I'll be the one that will carry. And he will wait. And he will wait. And he will wait. 
until he has the people stand up and say, that's me, I will go. That's me, I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to sit back and wait. I'm going to take the opportunity to speak. I'm going to take this step. I know there's people I've got something to say. And I was writing this this afternoon. I just, in my, I just saw, I saw you. I saw people in this church and people that are around in our city that suddenly just were sitting down and they suddenly stood up. They suddenly stood up. Something on the inside of people in their spirit suddenly stood up. They were been, been sitting down for a long time, but they suddenly stood up. And God, when you stood up, He stood up. And He said, there we go. Now you're ready. They stood up. And, I, and then, then I saw Him saying, here you go. Just take this. Take that. Take this. And He suddenly loaded people up with something that he wants you to carry. Peter said that uh, in the book of Acts, when he was uh, walking into the temple, Jesus had uh, risen from the dead and he'd gone back to heaven and and they're walking to the temple. And Peter said to the, the beggar who was there, he said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I freely give you. In other words, another way to say that is what I carry. I give to you. Peter understood the Spirit coming upon him had given him something to carry. Had put this, that he had access to spiritual things. He had access to the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. And he understood, he said, I don't have some physical things to give you, but what you need, I have. What I, I carry something that you need. And he just took him by the hand and instantly the man was healed. Peter understood. Peter wasn't sitting down waiting. He was on the front foot. He was ready for whatever God called him to do. Then we read in Luke 6, 17 to 19. And I've, I want to read some scriptures to you, then backtrack to something that happened before all these events to illustrate something. In Luke 6, 17 and 19, the Passion Translation, I'm going to read from there the whole night. It says, Jesus said to his apostles, uh, Jesus and his apostles came down from the hillside to the level field where a large number of disciples waited. Along with a massive crowd of people who had gathered from all over Judea, Judea, Jerusalem and the coastal district of Tyre and, and Sidon. They had all come to listen to the manifestation, meaning talking about Jesus, so that they could be healed of their diseases and be set free from the demonic powers that tormented them. I read this scripture through the week and this next bit is what stood out to me. It says, the entire crowd eagerly tried to come near Jesus so they could touch him and be healed because a tangible, supernatural power emanated from him, healing all who came close to him. They didn't have to touch him. Some did and were healed. Others just got close enough to the tangible, supernatural power that, was, that was, came off him and they were instantly healed. And you might say, well, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. But then it made me think of this scripture in Acts 5, 12 to 16. It says this, the apostles performed many, many signs. So this is after Jesus had gone back to heaven. 
in the book of Acts. Many signs, wonders and miracles among the people. And the believers were wonderfully united as they met regularly in the temple courts in the area known as Solomon's Porch. No one dared harm them, for everyone held them in high regard. Continually more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Great crowds of both men and women. In fact, when people knew Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out to the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. Exactly the same. Great numbers of people swarmed into Jerusalem from the nearby villages. They brought them the sick and those troubled with demons and everyone was healed. Not just some, but everyone. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and dwells in me. The same spirit, same wording as what it said about Jesus. He walks, came down the mountain and they flocked to him because of the supernatural power that emanated from him. He's basically talking about the presence of God surrounded him. One that just got in, his, in the presence of God was healed. I believe that our church is one of those places that God has marked. That people came in that day. They were all healed. They are all healed. They are all healed. The people are going to come and from sickness, disease, emotional pain, whatever it may be, but they were all healed. Because, not because of we're so good, but the presence of God so dwelt in this place that they like this morning you said that woman walked in through the door and instantly her hand was healed that's the same thing that started to happen here this morning someone came up to me and I in just for a moment I said there was someone here that had a sore knee and a sore shoulder and God wanted to heal that then after the service someone came up to me and said I fell over the other day and hurt my knee and hurt my shoulder so I, th- I, th- I was thinking it was two people but I got one person in one go and I had to go outside quickly and they sort of half ran and as they were running they realized that the pain in their knee had nearly all left in the middle of their worship in the middle of just speaking a word it goes on to say back to Jesus. He came down the mountain and everyone that drew close to him were healed. Then he went on and we skip a few verses. He taught them about judging, about not to judge others and about being generous. And we get to Luke 7, next chapter, 1 to 3 and 6 to 7. It says, after Jesus finished giving revelation to the people on the hillside, this is all happening in one day, remember, he went on to Capernaum. There he found a Roman military captain who had a beloved servant he valued highly. And the servant was sick to the point of death. When the captain heard that Jesus was in the city, he sent some respected Jewish uh, elders and to plead with him to come and heal his dying servant. Jesus started off with them, but on his way there, he was stopped by friends of the captain who gave this message. Master, don't bother to come to me in person, for I'm not good enough for you to enter my home. I'm not worthy enough to even come out to meet one like you. But if you would just release the manifestation of healing right where you are, I know that my young servant will be healed. And if you go on to read it, Jesus turns and says, I haven't seen faith like this by any one of you, by any Jewish people, by anyone in Israel, and here's a Roman officer 
who understood the power and authority of God's word. And Jesus turned and said, just go back, he's healed. And, that, and the Bible says at that very moment, as Jesus spoke that, that servant was healed at that very moment. For I don't know how far it was away, but he just had to speak a word and he was healed. Then the next thing that happened is this. Luke 7, 11 to 17, shortly afterward, Jesus left on a journey for, for the apples. As he approached the village, he met a multitude of people in a funeral procession who were mourning as they carried the body of a young man to the cemetery. The boy was his mother's only son and she was a widow. Then the Lord saw the grieving mother. His heart broke for her. With great tenderness, he said to her, please don't cry. Then he stepped out to the coffin and touched it. When the pallbearers came to a halt, Jesus said to the corpse, Young man, I say to you, arise and live. Immediately the young man moved, sat up and spoke to those nearby. Jesus presented the son to his mother alive. A tremendous sense of holy mystery swept over the crowd as they witnessed his miracle of resurrection. They shouted praise to God saying, God himself has visited us to bless his people. A great prophet has appeared among us. The news of Jesus and his miracle, miracle raced throughout Judea and the entire surrounding region. So far it's been a good day. That's all happened in a day. He's just walked through a town. People have come up to him and spoken a word and they've been healed. They kept walking to another town. Before all that, it says everyone that drew all the sick as he came down the mountainside, everyone that was sick, that was waiting there, they all got healed. And then it says that he went through and, and prayed for that young boy and he was healed. And then next minute, he's walking to another town, sees someone who had died and realized that she was a widow, had no one to look after her, that this son on that stretcher was the only one that could grow up to, to work and to look after his mum. And so he had compassion on her. And that very fact alone is all that he needed to walk up to a body and said, get up, come back to life. And he just came back to life because he loved her, that woman so much that he said, I'm just going to heal her son. And then I want to go back in time to what happened before Jesus came down the mountain. Back in Luke 6, 12 to 13, it just says this. After this, Jesus went up, this is the day before, went up into the high hills to spend the whole night in prayer to God. At daybreak, he called together all of the followers and selected 12 from among them and appointed them to his apostles. He chose his 12 disciples and came down the hillside. But I just want to, bring, want to bring you back to that one sentence at the start. Jesus went up into the high hills to spend the whole night in prayer to God. The reason all that happened is because Jesus prepared himself in prayer. And the level of preparation will determine the level of miracles that happen. Jesus didn't always spend a whole night in prayer. And he doesn't ask us to always spend a whole night in prayer. Sometimes it was a short period of time. There's definitely times through the Bible you can read he went up all night and prayed. But to, for whatever reason, he knew that the next day, it's going to be a big day. I'm going to speak a word. Boy's going to be healed. Young boy's going to come back to life. So he spends all night in prayer. And imagine he walks, he'd been praying all night long. Hadn't slept, but prayed all night long. And he walks down the mountain. No wonder 
the power of God was emanating from him. And he walks down the mountain and everyone that even drew close to him was healed. And if we want to see the miraculous happen, we need to spend extended times in worship and prayer. Both personally, and that's, I just, I've seen, been around for ages and seen God move and God not move. And the difference is this, a church that prays. If we will, as a church, spend time in his presence and spend time praying, you'll see results like Jesus saw, like the apostles saw. And if we don't, you won't. You'll see, t- you'll see we can worship God and we have great meetings and, and we're seeing people saved, but there's a whole other level. There's a whole city of thousands, tens of thousands of people that God says, I'm able to, I'm able to heal them all. I'm able to save them all. Nothing is impossible. But there's, there's, a, there's a preparedness that God says, if you would just come and spend time in my presence and pray and worship. Jesus understood that. Peter understood that. The, the disciples, because Jesus had taught them and they would spend time in prayer and they'd pray. And that's why when Peter walked up the street and they'd bring the sick down the street, they knew just because he'd, because of who Peter was and what he was carrying, that when his shadow simply touched them, they were healed and healed and healed and healed and healed. But he understood how to get prepared. He understood the power of spending time in prayer. And it doesn't mean you have to spend all night in prayer, but it means you need to do more than what you're doing right now. God's saying, let's just step a little bit deeper. Let's make some more room. Let's make some more time. Because when you do, my presence is going to increase upon your life. It's going to increase upon our church and upon this city. And then you're going to see more miracles and increased miracles. And not just one, but four and five people as they walk into the building are going to get healed on a Sunday morning. And when you walk into your workplace, atmospheres are going to change. And the darkness is going to flee because what you carry is so much greater than the darkness. What God has put on your life because you spend that extra half an hour, an hour in prayer, preparing the night before or that morning, suddenly you're going to walk around, you're going to feel 10 feet tall and you're going to walk into places and you know God is with you and people are going to say, what, who are you? I haven't, I felt that. I went to church 20 years ago and I haven't felt that before, but you walked in that building and I felt the same thing I felt 20 years ago in that church because of what you carry. And I just believe Jesus is saying, what you carry. I want, you, I want to give it to you. But the place you find it is in worry. You won't find it on a television. You won't find it doing whatever you want to do, a hobby or whatever, even though stuff, we can do all that kind of stuff and we should not stop doing all those things. But you find it in the place of prayer and worship. Prayer and worship is the place of preparation and the place of preparation will determine, the place of preparation will determine, it will determine what you carry. We can carry either a little and it can just be enough and we can help a few, but you can carry a lot. God can enlarge your capacity. Peter was the most unqualified person of thing. He messed up so many times, denied Jesus, did it all. 
But when he got in, encountered the Holy Spirit and learned how to spend time in God's presence, he understood what he could carry. And then it's Peter who's walking along and his shadow is touching people. And he, it's Peter who's standing up and, and speaking about Jesus and 3,000 people are surrendering their life to Jesus and getting baptized. The most unqualified, darn it, doesn't matter who you are, you are not unqualified. You, everyone here is qualified. If you come to Jesus, he will use anybody. He will use anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. There's a, I want to finish with this story. I want to finish. There's a story that I heard at conference, and, it's, and, it's, um, and it fits in with this, and it's too good not to tell. There was a, there was a man there called Chris Estrada, and uh, he is, uh, I didn't know a lot about him, but he uh, was born in El Paso, as it was on the border of uh, Texas and Mexico, and uh, it's the highest drug, drug trafficking town in America, right on the border, and all kinds of crime. And he said when he was growing up, someone was killed every week in his streets with gang violence. He grew up in gangs, and it's a total miracle that um, that he got saved and all this kind of stuff, and where he is today, and and doing what he's doing. And he told this story about about a girl uh, that was in his youth group in his church and uh, her name I think was Sharice um, it doesn't really matter but I think that was her name and he said that one day he gets a phone call from Sharice give me two seconds and uh, so the music makes it better and this awkward silence and uh, he says, he tells his story about, he gets his phone call from Sharice and says, oh, Pastor, I've got to talk to you, I've got to talk to you, Pastor Chris. You know, I've got something really important and I've got to talk to you. And so he goes, oh, okay, sounds, sounds like important. So he says, well, look, Sharice's got something important to talk about. I'm just going to meet her, meet her down the street and we'll, and we'll see what's going on. So he gets down there and, and uh, she's, not a, she's only a new Christian. And, and she said, I've got this, they've been giving this assignment at school. And uh, the teacher said, we need to share our uh, the moment a moment in our life their most life-changing moment is their assignment and she goes and i know god wants me to share about how i give my life to jesus and but she was totally scared she'd never hardly she hadn't told hardly anyone and she was very new and and all that so he's like oh he said oh that's awesome that you're going to share that and she was scared about it and and uh and so it was a few days time and and so he, he prayed with her and, and, you know, he gave her a few tips and, and just talked with her and all that kind of stuff. And then they prayed together before it happened. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and then she gets to school and then she gets there and, and uh, waited. And then after it was like the second period was on. And, and for, by the end of the first period, she decided, I'm not doing it. I'm going to get out of school. I'm going to leave and, and get out of there because, you know, I was just too scared to get up and talk for everyone. And then she gets in the class and, and then the, and they all sit down in the classroom. She's thinking, oh, maybe this won't pick me everyone in today. And so maybe they'll all get picked tomorrow or something like that. And the teacher's looking around and looks around and says, oh, Sharice, why don't you go first? And, uh, and so she gets up and, uh, and begins to stand up and she says, uh, she says, well, I, I'm something that I need to share with you about the most life-changing moment that I need to talk to you about is the, the day not that long ago when I gave my life to Jesus. And, uh, and the teacher nearly fell off the chair and, uh, and was like, well, because the teacher was a Muslim and uh, sitting in the classroom. And then she starts to share 
um, her story and then she starts to say to some other friends who she's been friends with ages and starts to say things like, oh yeah, remember we used to hang out and we used to smoke, you know, pot together and pointing to a friend in the front row and, and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, I don't do that anymore. And, and like, and, and so her friends is all getting all a bit, bit uh, like, oh, don't say that. And so, and like having, having a drink or whatever. And then she said, I don't, I don't need that anymore. I don't need to do that anymore. I said, Jesus is trying to fulfill my life. And then she starts to share the story. And then she points to another girl in the class. And she said, and starts to point out two people that, and starts to say, oh, you've, you've got a knee injury. And, and, and God wants to heal you. And instantly the power of God hits the girl's knee and heals her. And she had a leg brace on, pulls it off, and she can move her knee. And then she, there's this big guy at the back who plays football in the school. And she goes, hey, and, and you've got a shoulder injury. You've done something to your shoulder. He goes, yeah, 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 I did actually. Yeah, I've got a shoulder injury, whatever. And God wants to heal you and points to him and the power of God hits his arm and heals him. Then she turns around and points to the teacher. And she said, God wants you to know. She said, Jesus wants you to know that he's real and he loves you. And as she pointed her finger, the power of God hit the teacher and threw her off the chair onto the floor and for the next two minutes she has a visitation of heaven and God's speaking to her. And then so then all of a sudden so then she so she's going on and then she's seeing and then she has more words of knowledge and picking out people that needed healing and starts to you've been struggling with depression and you've been you need this and, and starts and then all of a sudden the teacher jumps up and runs out of the classroom. So but she doesn't care, she just keeps going. And so she's so she's showing her things about all these people. Next minute, the teacher arrives back with 10 other teachers. And, and the teacher says, Cherise, Cherise, do that pointing thing again with all these. And so she goes over and, and prays for all these teachers and, and, and the power of God touches every one of them. And for the next two hours, the next two hours she has she begins to pray for people in her school in her class kids get girls and guys get saved and healed all over the place for two hours and uh and if god can do that with someone who was petrified of getting up to talk with people god can use any of us all she did was take a step so i'm just going to simply share what jesus has done and then suddenly the supernatural took over and she just took one more step and one more step and God showed her one more step and one more step before you know it, the whole school was different. He got, he got, the pastor got phone calls the next day from the principal saying, what, who, what did you do to Sharice? And all that, but he said it was all good and they realized the power of God was real. And you might think, well, that's you're not allowed to do that in my school here in Harvey Bay. You're not allowed to do that. You weren't allowed to do it in that school either. But God can do what He wants to do when He wants to do it. So my question is to you, what are you carrying? What are you carrying? And God's calling us to say, come, will you spend time? The secret is spending time in worship and prayer personally but corporately as well and as we're coming up to 21 days of prayer and fasting as we're talking about prayer will you make room will you make room because I believe if we make room 
that we haven't seen anything yet. That there's, there's this God just waiting us. He's like, oh, he's like on the edge of his seat, just waiting for some people to stand up. He's on the edge of his seat, come on, stand up, stand up. It's in you and it's in you and it's in you. I'm waiting to give you all you need, but I want you to stand up. I want to use you, but you need to stand up. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.